G'day, this is Mark Pesci, and welcome to our 19th episode of Series 6 of This Week in Startups Australia. Our theme for Series 6, Taking the Australian Ecosystem from Good to Great, continues with our final news special of this series. We sit down with Carthona Capital Principal Dean Durrell and Morudi Global Head Julie Trell to discuss startup muster, a changing political landscape, and how we can continue making startup land a welcome space for a diverse range of talent. News that matters to startups on this episode of This Week in Startups Australia. This Week in Startups Australia is proudly sponsored by MYOB. Running a startup is pretty cool, but doing the books isn't. MYOB makes it easier. For your free trial, visit myob.com slash twista. This Week in Startups Australia is also sponsored by the University of Technology, Sydney, supporting students to become startup founders. UTS is engaging, inspiring, and connecting students to take the leap as startup founders. Check out what they're up to at startups.uts.edu.au. And This Week in Startups Australia is sponsored by Campaign Monitor. When it comes to email marketing, there's so much more that goes into creating smart and effective campaigns than what meets the eye. To start building smart and beautiful email newsletters today, try Campaign Monitor for free at campaignmonitor.com twist. Well, we're almost at the end of 2018. This has been a year of building in both senses of the world. We're recording this from the audio studio in the Sydney Startup Hub, a building that opened its doors at the start of this year. And we're building the startup community. Now, it seemed when this building opened a sign of rude health in startup land. But this ride, well, this ride has been more of a roller coaster than we'd originally reckoned. Fortunately, we're joined on this Twist of News special with two individuals who are very steady hands even during the bumpiest rides. Dean Durrell is a principal at Carthona Capital, having made investments in startups such as Zero Latency, you've heard from them on this show, Spares Box, and Credible. Joining Dean is Moru D. Global Head, and as she bills herself, Human API... Julie Trell. Welcome, Dean. Welcome, Julie. Julie, what is a human API? Well, thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me here. Um, well, an API is an ap- application protocol interface where it connects two technology applications together. A human one connects people and resources that are that are knowledgeable that need to be one another to help create some sort of success or aha. So you're our go-to. You will help I, us find the answer. I will help you find the people that know the answer, Yes. Brilliant. Okay, let's start off. Number one, the thing that's been obsessing me since we had Monica and Marianne a few weeks ago with the results of the Startup Muster. So Data61 and Startup Muster worked backward from all of the data they've gathered over the last five years to 
figure out how many startups there have been over year, over year, over year. And the thing that they showed from this analysis is that there has been a decrease and a rather dramatic decrease in the number of startups. And I guess the question everyone is now left asking, is this real? Is this a figment of analysis? To give you an idea now, I asked Mike Nichols the other day. He thinks it's an artifact of the analysis. Annie Parker on two shows, oh, last show, said, look, there's startup fatigue, so maybe this is real. What do we know? What have you seen? I have to say I'm really surprised. Um, Certainly from a Carthona point of view, we see more uh, people looking for funding than ever. So I think it's a problem of data collection, analysis, and classification. Um, anecdotally speaking to people, young people, the, the target uh, zone for entrepreneurs, there's more people trying to get into startup land than ever. So I think it's, it's one of those problems. I don't know which, exactly which one it is. It's one of those problems. <laughs> I, I agree with that, but I also was thinking about reframing it. And mm-hmm. now I'm not a statistician mm-hmm. or a data expert, but what if that means that the startups that have started are successful and more people are joining them than more, more startups being created? And this leads to a very interesting question because one of the things that they did see was the average age of the startup was older rather than younger. And the, it seemed like a lot of startups were farming out. So, you know, you take a GoFar, which has been around for several years, and they still have seven employees because they figured out how to employ all of these other people at arm's length to do all the work for them. So are we seeing, are we seeing that being a factor, that Startup Land is producing an ecosystem of all sorts of interrelated stuff, but they aren't, those other things aren't calling themselves startups? I think it could be natural. Australia's a, a high-cost society to live in. Mm. It's easy to outsource. Mm-hmm. You know, you're seeing dev shops springing up, particularly subcontinent, uh, Eastern Europe. It's easy for people to find talent, and talent isn't easy to find here. So that naturally could be um, one of the elements. Uh, I, look, I have to say, personally, I don't believe the data. Okay. I think I think there are more startups around than there were. Julie? I mean, you see lots of them as well because they're constantly applying to get into Marudi. And not just here, Global Head. So you see all of them everywhere. I don't know if I've been here long enough to make a, a fair comparison. Right. But I also think that what is what's so great about so many startups starting up? You know, the ones that are started, they need the talent. They need to grow. They need people working with them. You know, there's why creating so much competition? Um, you know, you have to have those successful startups being successful. All right. So this actually, I mean, we've both, you've both pointed to it. So let me just jump into topic two. I mean, we're going to come back to this, but let's, let's talk, talk to topic two, which is the talent gap. Now this is from Startup Smart Today, and I will link to this in the, in the blog post for this episode. I'm going to quote, according to findings from ANU and the University of Melbourne, the latest in a series of migration cuts making scarce talent even harder to find would deprive the country of up to 6.8 million workers by 2050. On one hand, the tech arena could face serious stagnation if the country is unwilling to commit to a more genuous annual migration intake. On the other hand, the federal government's plan to send new migrants to locations outside Sydney and Melbourne for up to five years may prove a blessing in disguise for businesses, especially in the technology sector, where tech talent is a growing scarcity as the number of available jobs outstrips demand for them. 
In January, the technology sector had the second highest hiring volume of any industry. And despite that, almost 74,000 roles remain unfulfilled across the tech industry. Do you see your startups not thriving as they should because they're having trouble getting talent? Absolutely. Yes. Agreed. So unqualified, yes. Unqualified is, apart from a startup having access to capital, hiring and having the top talent is their biggest problem. Yeah. Um, if you've got good people, good things happen in business. And there's undoubtedly a major, major issue in this country. And I, the hustle and the, the mindset also of, of finding and creating those jobs, again, capital is, is of issue. You want to be paid well because yeah. some of the, the larger companies are, and this is not unique to Australia, you know, sucking up the, the talent because of the, you know, better better salary and compensation. So there's there's got to be a, a passion around wanting to work at a startup right. as well. And, and, and I mean, you always say that if you can hire someone away based on just purely money, then they're probably not, not going right to be the right person for the startup either. So so in some ways, that's a boon. In some ways, it's an obvious thing that we can point out going, well, that's not helping. What can we do? Now, you know, we take a look at policy around this and, and Ian Gardner will be on the final episode next week. One of the things he pointed out is the woman who's directing the Mars uh, Startup Krista Center. Jones. Krista Jones from Toronto was just here. And she said that you can get a visa for, for talented person to come and work in a startup in Canada in two weeks. Like from filing to getting the visa approved. And you think about how, my, how fraught migration is in this country, and you can't imagine a universe in which this happens. So we don't have the native talent, and we seem to be unwilling to bring in the immigrant talent for this. So where does that, does this leave us at a permanent deficit? Look, I think there, there are, if you think about the problem, and we could speak for hours on this, there, there's two solutions, really. There's a long-term solution, which is we need to t- train more of yeah. our people to be acceptable uh, employees and entrepreneurs mm. in startup land. And there's a short-term soul, which is finding people from overseas that, that want to work here, want to live here. And I should point out that around this table, all of us are immigrants. Yes. That's right. Yeah, I have to say, I've been here eight years. I think given the current circumstances, I wouldn't have come here. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I thought about it a lot because it was fairly clear in the past Pathway to PR, right. pathway to citizenship. Um, right now, you know, anyone that was in my situation, which, you know, 40 odd, uh, a reasonably successful career and, and wanting to set up a life for the family here. Yes. I, I think it would have been a very different calculation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to go back to your comment about the education piece. So being a former classroom teacher, the education needs to be disrupted. And, you know, for years it's needed to be because we're not teaching and going to the, into the same kind of the the world is different when the, when people graduate from school um, and they need kids elementary school level need to be seeing what it's like to be an entrepreneur and have these skills and what it takes I just had a founder who brought her kids to Mira D often and they're like we don't want to go to school we want to work at Mira D so it was so great to hear that versus you know when I was a kid dad works at Clarola what does that mean what right. is you know so the, the the education piece needs to be disrupted as well to right. provide and, and I remember just like the one of the few times that I went into work with my mom and my mom worked at a company that made machine tools all right but in the 1970s that's where I actually saw and touched my first computer mm-hmm. because at just that point in time they were starting to use computers to control computer 
computer numerically controlled mm. machines. And it's that sort of thing. It only happened once, but yet that was still a huge you thing. You still remember it. I, of course exactly. I still remember it because yeah. it's that kind of thing. Okay, so and at the other end of the scale, we have UTS trying to turn every student, more or less, into an entrepreneur, you know, which is a big call, but I think they'll get there eventually. So we, we clearly are taking the long-term approach here. We're trying to get people excited. We're trying to find out if they are excited around this, and we're building systems around this. And what I'm hearing is that UTS is now setting a tone that all the other universities understand that they have to follow, right, that, that this is a standard and this is how they're going to have to think. We're still going to see this period of time, say the next five years, where every tech startup in Australia is going to be searching around for talent. How are they going to – are we just going to get really good at outsourcing or are we going to get really good at growing talent from people who don't look talented but are trainable? I think it's more of the former. I think we're much more likely to, to outsource. Um, there are certainly big challenges with it. Time zones, mm-hmm. you know, we don't have great uh, English-speaking uh, countries in our time zone. Um, but like I said, well, we've got companies that have, have outsourced dev shops uh, and opening different offices and just dealing with the, the problems that arise. I think for certain top for certain uh, roles, it's almost impossible to hire. Julie, do you see, I mean, if a company came into Maruti and say, hi, yeah, we do all this stuff, but we've outsourced all of our dev, does that set off alarms for you? You're like, okay, that's a reasonable approach. Yes. No, most, we want the founders to own their dev. Mm. We want them to have a team and a growth team. And I want to, I want to add to Dean's, I agree with, you know, needing to bring in devs and the people from, you know, from around the world. It it adds to a different, um, diverse mindset, mind thinking, which is really important. But I also want to add that there's talent here in Australia. There's just a different way we need to access it and grow it. I'm going to go back to that education piece. I believe I come from this world of glass half full. There's opportunity. People can learn. People can grow. And and from the mix of, you know, immigrants and coming through here. There's there's opportunity here. Well, we see. I mean, jo- jo- Joanne Jacobs is now working heavily at TAFE to bring in a sort of design computing element to a TAFE, a TAFE certification. We see Annie and Microsoft for Startups now working with TAFE again to be able to provide certifications. So is a lot of what we need to do now building these educational on-ramps for people so that they can actually discover that they have these skills and get to work? I, I, I say 100% yes, being a former classroom teacher. Yeah. And I think that's really important, and that's where it all starts, and the inspiration and the, the opportunity and the, able, the ability to take risks and fail and learn and move on. I guess another point to think about is if you're truly entrepreneurial, you're starting a business. Despite what the first topic was about, there are still people starting businesses yes. in droves. Yes. If you don't feel entrepreneurial, there are some very good companies paying top-notch salaries if you are tech-minded. Atlassian, Hoovering, Talent, you've got all sorts of US companies setting up yeah. tech teams down here, a lot because you know there are worse places to hire. The Valley's worse. Uh, R&D tax credits make a big difference. You know The average cost of, of a worker becomes lower. Big financial institutions needing to change, you know, wholesale their their tech. So they're hoovering people up in hundreds, if not thousands. So there's that middle bit of employees at startups. Mm. That's that's a difficult spot. Because they're not the entrepreneur. They have to but they still have to sort of take the hit of living in startup land. But I wonder listening to Julie and to Annie and to where we started to tie these two things together, maybe our talent crisis 
again, is that we're looking at the numbers the wrong way, that we're undercounting. You know, if we're undercounting the startups because of Data 61's math, if we're undercounting the number of talented people because we aren't looking at them right, we aren't saying that person actually has all of what they need, they just need a few skills that we can easily get to them. So is that a way to be able to maybe reframe, as you're saying, the way we need to think about tech? <laughs> I'm just getting I'm getting nods here, people. So we're just going to go with that. You're listening to This Week in Startups News Special. We'll be right back. MYOB saves businesses time, helps improve cash flow, gets invoices paid faster, gives real-time visibility of profit and loss, and makes payroll easy. With MYOB, you can create, send, and track customized invoices. This is awesome because Australian businesses can wait on average 43 days to get paid. With MYOB, your clients can pay you directly from your invoices. People who use the MYOB online invoicing solution get paid four times faster. MYOB software will let you know when you've been paid, then update the accounts. You don't have to lift a finger. MYOB's online solutions make pay runs quick and easy, ensuring all of your tax and super payments are compliant with the Australian Tax Office. You can save half a day every month on processing employee pay. MYOB's mobile app means you can create a quote on the job, send invoices straight from the app, and even get paid on the same day you invoice. 1.2 million businesses in Australia and New Zealand use MYOB. Startups, sole traders, and small businesses, all the way up to companies with hundreds of staff. Whatever your stage or size, MYOB has a solution for you. Twista listeners will get a free 30-day trial, and the first 50 people to sign up will also get $100 in cash. Go to myob.com slash twista for your free trial today. back on This Week in Startups Australia news special, talking to Dean Durrell and Julie Trell. Okay, topic three, winds of change. Now, by around the time we're back with our next news special, there will have been an election in Victoria, December. There will be an election in New South Wales in March, and there will be a federal election definitely by May. That is a huge amount of change. And I guess the question, there are two questions here. One is, will any of that actually make any difference in startup land? And the other question is, if we're looking for policies and if people listening to this podcast are going to elect people based on policies around economic growth and development, what should we be looking for? So first question really is around just the amount of change that we're going to have. Will the amount of change see things go forward or go backward? Do we think that the policy gains that we've gotten are going to slide? Do we care? Seriously? Politics is in such a sordid state in this country that we can't count on anything. Well, but we're in this building because of the largesse of some political something or other, right? If they didn't give us their largesse, 
we're problem solvers. We have to deal with it. So let's not count on any of these guys. Let's not count on them because they all prove to be flaky. Mm. You cannot rely on these, these, any of these parties to do anything. So we should think about the positive element of having uh, a benefit from them, but we really should plan for having nothing. And it, it's, it's a pretty dire way to say that. But um, if you look at recent history, it tells us that we should be careful of politicians bearing false goods. So I, my frame of politician and policy is the TV show Utopia. Uh, and I'm going yes. to, anyone who knows me knows me. This is all I, I love talking about this. <laughs> and there was a wonderful scene where they came back from the U.S. and they're, we got to do a startup and we have to do a demo day and yes. go meet the startup. So the Rob Sitch character, who I love, goes out to some startups and they're in the garage on crates and says, well, we're from the government. What can we do? What do you need us to do in order to be, help be successful? And the startup founder looks at him and says, get out of our way. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I mean, it resonates what you're trying to say, and that that's my... Well, but materially, what is get out of our way? Because if they got out of our way with R&D tax credits, then that would be a problem, problem, right? And so when we say get out of our way, we say get out of our way with the stuff that's slowing us down, but keep on... The bureaucracy. Give us the stuff that speeds us up. I mean, is the you know, to come back to this point, if we had a system like Canada's where we could bring talent in in two weeks, if we had that promise on offer from someone who is running for federal parliament, would that mean if you're running a startup, gee, I might need that, I want to vote for that person because I'm going to actually use that? Yeah, I think that's right. But it's a pipe dream. Yeah. Both sides of politics have shown that uh, their immigration is such a big issue. Um, you know, the the right has the, the dog whistle of the far right. Immigration is all terrible. Yeah. Uh, on the on the left, there you know trade unions put pressure on to restrict labour markets, so that their union members don't suffer any sort of wage cuts or, or redundancy. And it's clear that innovation disappeared from the Turnbull government uh, rhetoric. <laughs> Ideas boom, <laughs> precisely for that. You know, um, yeah. If us in this building, yeah, we're going to vote for things because that's self interest for us. Right. Right. But again, I guess it comes down to this idea then that if we can't depend on the government, when you take a look at certain projects that are being mooted, such as this giant precinct that's supposed to take place between Central Station and Everly Station that Bede Moore, who has been on this show, has been working on very heavily and is basically going to have to be a government initiative because of the land that it sits on. Can we have any hope of seeing that at any point if we can't? put some trust in government to deliver. That's I point to you because that's the word, the trust. The yeah. trust, the forward thinking, the um, getting rid of the fear and, and really thinking forward and, and being future focusing on, on what, what it can do to help make an impact in the ecosystem, the growth of Australia, the, econo- the economy of, of Australia. You know, are there politicians, are there government people that are, that are in that space? In that and, headspace. And are there. I mean, all I know, and, and this is, I'm saying this in a nonpartisan way, is I keep on running into Ed Husick everywhere. Now, maybe it's because he's a Western Sydney politician, so it's easy for him. But I see him at all these startup events, which at least looks good. Whether that actually translated in, into meaningful policy, what do we need to start to ask all of our politicians now? 
if we aren't going to trust them, if we aren't going to expect anything of them, that's a good position to be in because that allows us to ask hard questions without fear or favor. So what are the hard questions we should be asking them now? Because this is the period of time when they actually have to answer. They won't have to answer once they get back in, but right now they're going to have to. I think we have to ask them the, the difficult question, in what do they see of the future of the country? That long-term mm. thinking, mm. where is the future of this country and its prosperity? Where, what links them? We're a very prosperous country right now, yeah. but we know that the world is changing and changing at a, a, a rapid rate. Mm. How are we going to stay prosperous or become more prosperous? Is it going to become from digging more things out of the ground? Right. Well, that's going to get that's getting automated uh, a very fast rate. Um, do we have the possibility to be a knowledge economy and technology is absolutely going to be at the, the forefront of that? You know, are they going to be the King Canute type characters to hold back the, the the tide, or are they going to you know get in in touch with the way the country should be run? Um, but you know, politics is about the short term. Yeah. Well. Again, I'm, it's, it's very new and I haven't had much exposure to it, except I did meet Matt Keane mm -hmm. and I, I love the title, Minister of Innovation mm -hmm. and Better Regulation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, is it, that's just so weird, there, but it's the yin and the yang, is that, is that worth it? And when I did speak to him, he, he was saying that he wanted to get rid of a lot of the, the ridiculous regulations when it took to, to launch companies. I know that there was, Uber had issues trying to come in here, so he, at least he saw that mm -hmm. and he wants to, to fix that to make it easier in order to have the innovation with better regulations. Right. Like, I don't have a problem at all with the people involved. Craig Laundy is a top-class human being. I had a lot to do with him pre his political career, got to meet him whilst he was minister, an excellent, excellent person. Obviously, he's fallen by the wayside as mm. being a Turnbull supporter, mm. but there was a limit to the things he could do. Now, Ed Husick, also a, a top-class person. Uh, like you say, you see him around a lot. He's very knowledgeable. It's been very stable. Yes. As, as a, uh, the opposition minister, he's yeah. been there for a number of years. Yeah. Um, but he's part of a larger group and that policy will, let's see, let's right. see if, if they get in the chair. And this, I think, is what's interesting about Victoria is that Philip Daladakis has been the minister for innovation and startups for the entire length of the government, which is not something you can say in New South Wales, where it's essentially a revolving door as ministers are working their way up the greasy pole. And so maybe are we asking them not just do we trust you, but how stable are you? Is that part of what we're asking them? I, I think so. Um, asking any politician if they're stable is probably a, a relatively leading question. Uh, I think it, it may be a prerequisite to be instable, to be in politics. Um, no, I, I think stability of ministers, um, it's like in any role, people need to be there for a while to, to get comfortable in what they're doing and to have credibility. Um, I think it's noticeable that actually Victoria um, are... are doing some really good things. I was in Melbourne last week, met with Kate Cornick, uh, Launch Vic, you know, they're, they're, they're doing some good things. Yeah. Um, and other states apart from New South Wales, you know, Queensland, obviously, um, you've got um, a number of grants that really are quite attractive to entrepreneurs. Mm. So um, on, on a state level, some interesting things are happening. Just uh, federal politics, I think, in most areas, it makes people despair. Yeah. I agree. And I think you see very little movement in that sense. Startup land is very separate from federal politics. It's much closer to state and local politics around that. Okay, now we're going to come 
to I, 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 one of the most difficult issues. It's important to discuss, but I don't know if we have good answers yet. So it's it, one of the other bits of data that came out of the startup muster was that the number of women-led startups is falling. And if we're taking a look year over year, there's about 10% fewer women-led startups than there were e- last year. Now, Annie Parker spoke to this last week and said, look, this is a hard problem. No one is doing this right. And I mean, that's an explanation. Is that enough? Shouldn't we be expecting more from ourselves and from the world, Julie? Well, that was not the case in our last cohort at Mir D. 70% of the founders were female founders or co-founders. They were above and then wow. later in the age. 30, and we didn't try to do this. No, it, it just, just showed happened. up. It just showed up. Um, and the average age was above 35, and most of them had kids. So mm. we, I did not see that. I did not experience it. Mm-hmm. Um, we are you know, having the conversations. My team is also all female, so that might be a different... Well, it sends a signal, it right? It sends a signal. Um, and the messaging and the marketing, for yeah. better or worse, I don't know. Yeah. Um, what it doesn't have, again, it's the diversity of thought that might be a little bit of missing, missing there a little bit. But um, so I hadn't seen that. And you know, working in the world that I am in, especially launching the fund CEO and looking for female entrepreneurs, not necessarily tech, um, creating this opportunity, a new way of accessing capital. Okay, so. We've got, I guess, the beginnings. And are you seeing this as well? Are you seeing more women coming in? Yeah, than ever we're definitely seeing more women uh, present. Um, I think it's from a relative was from a relatively low base. Yeah. Um, but yeah, again, I, I think it's a problem of the data. Um, it's uh, I, we are seeing plenty of women want to start business or having started business already. So anecdotally, we're not seeing that. In in the three cohorts that I've been here working with. Mm. Three there. I've had three husband and wife um, yeah. found co-founders. Yeah, and I've I have worked for husband and wife co-founders. It's always interesting to see how they negotiate that, right? Because it's an, another dimension on a relationship, and some relationships do fine. Some my parents are still together, and they've been working together. They've been married for fifty-one years. Oh, bless! Yeah, we have we have one of our Sydney startups in our current fund uh, is uh, a couple plus a third co-founder. Mm-hmm. It's another business we're looking at that's also a couple. Um, I think you have to ask the difficult questions up front, and, oh, yeah. and and you know, for them to be comfortable in their in firstly in their personal relationship, then a business relationship. But they should that shouldn't be a a, a blocker to to any deal. No. And there are so many organizations working with found, female founders to be successful. There's scale. There's heads over heels. There's she starts. Um, there. Dolphin. Yeah. Um, Tech ready women. Yeah. Springboard. Yeah. So there's a lot of organizations. I want to get all of them together and, you know, do this hive mind of collaboration mm. instead of fighting against one another. Well, this is what seemed very confusing about that that result, which was that it was flying in the face of the enormous amount of both effort and energy that's being put into this to make this happen, that people are not just focusing on it, but they're excited about it, and that that has to have some positive impact here, which, again, you know, like the number of startups, you're like, well, why, why, would, why would we be going backward? And Well, there's a, here's another reframe. Maybe yeah. the women are working so hard on their startups and their founders, they didn't have time to take the survey. Mm. Yeah. And and are women more likely to undercount themselves? Yes. Right. I mean, it's, there's all of that, that bias that's also built in. And so we do have to wonder now. And, you know, I had someone actually come and say to me, 
that the startup muster needs to be more or less mandatory in the sense that that data, I know, I know, and it's very hard to say things, although, but in the sense that the data is so now vital to being able to guide not just policy in the political sense, but how we start to frame what, what our goals are as a community, that the, the more we actually see that data, particularly now that the data is not going up and to the right, <laughs> the more that we see how, how important that data is. So then to sort of bring all of this home, what do we want to see in a 2019 Startup Muster Report, not just in terms of the outcomes, but what do we want to see in terms of the type of data that they're gathering? Look, I think the the type of data they're gathering is the right one. I just think we need to see a, the full set of data. Now, that's a challenging problem. So really. the raw data, not just the cooked. Yeah, I th- I th- it's hard to give raw data over because you know there's obviously some privacy concerns yes. and things that people that probably will yeah. make people it's less likely. It's really easy to identify someone from raw but, data. I, you know, I think it's not an unsurmountable problem. To, to look at every single source and try and find every single startup out there. Um, maybe maybe we're, we're, we're wrong. Maybe you know, Startup Muster and Data61 have done a good job and we're wrong. But every single person, you know, certainly from a VC point of view um, and around the ecosystem are saying that's not what they're seeing. Well, this, this is exactly it. I mean, every investor I know has got their hands full doing everything they can, and they, there's there's a lot of money, and there's a lot of opportunity to place the money in good companies. That was not the case five years ago. Yeah. Well, I was going to go completely a different field, and what if they're tracking the, the emotional stability or the, the, the founder's um, uh, fitness? Like, mm. that could mm. be an interesting stat and... Because it's stressful. Yes. I don't know if that can address things or create new programs, but an emotional data sort collection. But unless you measure it, you're not going to know how you're doing and you can't focus on it. And I think that's a really good note to end on, Dean. Julie, thank you for joining us on the final Twist and News special of 2018. A pleasure. Thank you. The University of Technology, Sydney, recognizes the incredible potential of the next generation of Australian startup founders. UTS believes entrepreneurship is about doing, inspiring students to take that first step on their founder journey, then encouraging them to keep going. UTS Startups supports student founders from ideation stage to launch with one-on-one mentorship and guidance to support them from across the entire startup ecosystem. This new UTS startup model focuses on connecting each founder with what they need, when they need it, as well as forging connections between members of the UTS startups community. Go see their vibrant collaboration space on Harris Street in Ultimo or visit startups.uts.edu.au to find out more.
We recently launched a new segment for Series 6 of This Week in Startups Australia, asking all of the many incubator and accelerator programs running across the country to spruik their programs to twist our listeners in their own words. This week, we'll hear from Julie Trell, Australia country lead for SheEO. Take it away, Julie. Thank you, Mark. So SheEO is a fund for female entrepreneurs. Our goal in Australia is to get 500 women to contribute $1,100, a half a million dollar fund that then gets loaned out, zero interest loaned, to female entrepreneurs, selected by the women that have contributed. So the women who have contributed are not donors and they're not investors. They're activators because they are activating their capital, their buying power, their network, and their expertise. They will be selecting the five companies that will get this zero interest loan. So I call it a gateway drug to investing. It's a lot of, a lot of fun there. Um, the, it's 12, as a venture, the venture needs to have, it needs to be 51% female owned or led. It needs to have a minimum of 50K revenue this year, up to 2 million. And it needs to have a, how they're making the world a better place. That's a big, big term. And um, then once the companies are selected by the activators, they are going. They go away on a weekend. They have coaches. They all have a coach for their the first year, and they have to decide how the money is divided up. And these five founders, the two, they can't be divided evenly, and it can't all go to one person. And so they have to negotiate on their behalf, which is which they end up building great relationships. So the reason that Vicki Saunders, so Vicki Saunders is the founder of SheEO from Canada. She's launched this in Canada. It's been around for four years in, in the U.S. for three, which are where I helped launch it. It's on its second year in New Zealand, and here we are now in Australia. So this is brand new. And um, the goal is to get a billion dollars in capital loaned out to 10,000 ventures by one million activators. It's a new way of of moving capital and flow around the world. I'm excited about it because I wanted to be on this, um, be a legacy in how we, how we get capital to female entrepreneurs, this new way of giving. So since it's a loan fund, zero interest loan, it'll be a perpetual loan. So in five years, it, it will be perpetual and be able to get loaned out. So when our kids, granddaughters, grand nieces go look for funding, well, duh, I went to CEO. So I want to be a part of that. Um, there have been, there's 32 ventures that have been in the portfolio around the globe. And what it creates, the other thing about this, it's not just about the capital. So you, there's 3,000 women that want to make sure that you succeed. They're going to buy from you. They're going to share what your product is. They're going to champion. They're going to spruik you. I'm a customer of a, many of these companies. And it's been amazing to watch the, the, the relationships and the network of, of all of these women. The other thing is, which I love about this, um, women are always, most humans are willing to give. If someone asks for help, willing to give help right away. But it's really hard to ask. That is a really hard balance. So if, if you're ready to give, you need some, there needs to be people asking. So it creates a space to make it safe for people to ask. And it's been great standing up, um, seeing people stand up to ask. I've gotten much better at it. I didn't want to launch this here until I had a sponsorship. And I said, I'm not doing this until I have $100,000. And it showed up. Telstra and CBA are sponsoring the initiative and the launch here. So it's getting a lot easier for me to, to make these asks. And here's how to get involved. www.sheeo.world, S-H-E-E-O. For activators, women, will, women who want to become activators, it's $1,100. Please contribute. And for ventures that are interested in applying, it's 12 questions. No pitch decks, no jargon. It is just put out there what you're doing. And that, the deadline for that is December 14th, and it's online right now. 
When it comes to email marketing, there's so much more that goes into creating smart and effective campaigns than what meets the eye. That's why Campaign Monitor created an easy-to-use email marketing platform, complete with simple drag-and-drop email editor and award-winning 24-7 customer service. Campaign Monitor gives you everything you need to run beautifully designed, professional email marketing campaigns to grow your business. With their gallery of beautiful, professionally designed email templates, all of which look amazing on every device, you're bound to find something that will make your brand pop. And since Campaign Monitor uses detailed lists and smart segments, your messages instantly drive more engagement. No wonder it's used by more than 250,000 businesses worldwide. And it's rated highest in customer satisfaction among major email marketing software vendors. To start building smart and beautiful email newsletters today, try Campaign Monitor for free at campaignmonitor.com twist. Listeners who sign up and become a customer will receive a free t-shirt. Again, that's campaignmonitor.com twist. never really stops in startup land, and it's a fair bet that by the time we do our next Twist News special, probably in April of 2019, so much will have happened, it'll be impossible to digest all of that into a one episode. It's up to us to actually step back and take a look at the overall growth of the ecosystem, the overall health of the ecosystem, the overall direction of that ecosystem. Those are also newsworthy topics. They're not the minutia of who's getting funded or who's having trouble or who's growing fast, but they're important questions to ask on the road from good to great. Big thanks to Twista sponsors MYOB, UTS, and Campaign Monitor. Their support makes our podcast possible. Thanks to Dean Durrell and Julie Trell for joining us on this episode. We've rebuilt and relaunched our website at TWIStartupsAUS.com. It's got everything. It's got all the shows, all the interviews, all the photos, all the links, and all the stories. So check it out at TWIStartupsAUS.com. We'll be back next week with our final episode in Series 6, an interview with one of the godfathers of Australia's startup ecosystem, the peerless Ian Gardner. Until then, this is Mark Pesci thanking you for listening to This Week in Startups Australia.